And welcome back. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. I am Pastor Nate Johnstone, and you are... Pastor Paul Anderson. And we have been uh, doing a series on the cross. And we've been bringing up some big topics that... Um, after doing these, we think we probably want to come back and, and revisit and deal with uh, more broadly at some point in the future. And this is going to be another one of those. Yes. And so we're, we're really looking from the point of view of studying the cross and what that means. And the topic today is suffering. Okay. This is a, it's a big topic. It's an important topic. I'd like to spend, you know, a month on it um, sometime soon because it's, it's a big deal. Um, but I want to look at it tonight to look at it from the point of view of the cross as being central to our lives and what that means to us, what that says about the suffering God went through, what that says about our own suffering. Mm -hmm. So Paul, why don't you start us off? The best advice I received when starting a discipleship school was under promise over deliver. I'd already done some over promising. We like to convince people with come ons. So, did Jesus do a sales job on you? Hmm. He said, In the world, you will have trouble. Doesn't sound close to hype. Peter wrote, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Well, then, why are we? Words about suffering seem to go right over our heads. We expect it to be easier than it is. Then, when it is hard, it is really hard. Did Jesus mislead you? Did anything he said to you make you think of Disneyland? He consistently calls us to a life of self-denial and taking up our cross. Crosses are meant for execution. When he told prospective disciples to take up their crosses, they most likely grimaced. They did not smile. You do not form world changers with a sales pitch. In The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that when Jesus called his disciples, he called them to come and die. We are more familiar with the cross of Christ than we are with our own cross. In fact, he talked about ours at the same time, he talked about his. We know little about our cross. It's for dying. He also said that he would not only die, but he would suffer. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. He must be killed. After he said this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Why did Jesus have such a strong reaction to Peter? I think it's because it expressed a philosophy that runs counter to the gospel, an easy alternative to the cross, something more positive and inviting, something we would naturally gravitate toward. Then Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross mm -hmm. and follow me. Note what he did not say. If any man would come after me, excuse me, <coughs> he can expect to be blessed, happy, and rich. 
Nor did he say that Christ died to give us a positive self-image and a good identity. <coughs> Sorry. It is not about you. Right from the get-go, we are called to deny ourselves. That does not mean to deny ourselves things. We deny ourselves. <coughs> Notice that this is not for the super elite, but for anyone who would follow Jesus. We know about the cross of Christ. We know less about our cross. Wow, that's sobering. Yeah, I think the more time I spend in other cultures and studying other cultures and working with other cultures, we've been working a lot with um, East Africans lately, the more I see that right now we in the United States really have no concept of what Jesus and Peter and Paul are talking about here in terms of suffering. Like we, we read, you, you read, um, the passage from, from Peter, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. That sounds like clever wordplay, the fiery trial. Oh, that's a, that's a nice way to say the difficult day you're having. No, they were getting burned alive at that time. Nero was dipping them in tar, burning them alive at his garden parties. It's well-known historical fact. The fiery trial was literally being set on fire. Mm -hmm. This is not somebody at work doesn't like me. This is not I didn't get the promotion. This this is death. Okay, this is hardcore. And we have we are so far removed from that kind of world. That's especially true. Especially right now in America, where we are the richest nation that has ever existed by far. Mm -hmm. And some of the poorest people in our country have it a lot better than people in many other places in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's difficult for us to even conceive of suffering in the sense that Jesus is talking about. We do not think of Christianity this way, the way that you just outlined Christianity as take up your cross and follow Jesus. That's not how we think of Christianity in America, most of us. Mm -hmm. We think of do your best to be a good person and... Maybe try to shine the light of God, and if you're really spiritual, maybe you'll give 10% or so of your money to a church or something like that. Like, that is not the discipleship that Jesus taught and handed down. Mm -hmm. And it stayed this way, as it was in the New Testament, for 300 years. It wasn't until the Roman um, nation became... Christian that things begin to change in terms of persecution. Mm -hmm. And so the fiery trial was literally fire. It's not, this isn't nice language and trying to sound pretty. Um, that's not to say that people listening to this don't know suffering because we all know suffering. Life is suffering. It's part of life. It's just what it is. And Jesus promises us that life will have suffering and that life will have problems. And that if we follow him, it'll get, worse and that sounds super negative right <laughs> that's a very debbie downer you know kind of a thing but he says it so many times mm -hmm. i feel like he was trying to get us used to the idea 
don't you? That life is tough, and if you are really following me, if you really take up your cross, if you're willing to die every day to yourself and follow me, it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you. This is not the altar call speech that I heard growing up as a kid. The altar call speech I heard growing up was either super guilt-ridden, you're super evil, you need to repent or else, or it was like, Jesus wants you to have the happy, fun time of your life. And if you just come to Jesus, it's going to be the coolest thing ever. You're going to love it. And I'm not saying either of those is absolutely horribly wrong. You are a sinner and you do need to repent. Mm-hmm. And living a life in the love of God and full of the Spirit is wonderful. But I wasn't given the whole package. Neither was I. And because the whole package and the the last time I did an altar call, actually, the very last time I did an altar call, I did my best to discourage people from coming forward. Oh, my. I said, if you come forward, you are signing up for sacrifice and suffering. This was an altar call for salvation. It was an altar call for commitment, recommitment, kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, go the next mile. You're signing up for suffering and sacrifice, and you might get sent somewhere that you didn't want to go, and you might do things you didn't want to do. And I I really anti-sold it. (laughs) Good for you. Everyone came forward, 90% of the people. Wow. Literally 90%. I was totally blown away. Because what I was trying to do is I was trying to be like, look, I am talking to the people who really know they're called, but they know they're being lazy Mm. and they're not doing their part. It's time to step up and it's time to to pick up that cross. The cross sucks. That's why we don't want to pick it up. Mm -hmm. It's painful. and We know what it means. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to carry that. Nobody Mm. does. And so sometimes we need somebody to kind of give us a little like, hey, do what you're supposed to be doing. Do what you know you need to do. Um but I was really surprised that the Holy Spirit really moved um, and brought people forward. But I wasn't given that as a kid. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that life was suffering the hard way <laughs> through suffering. And as a kid, I was, I didn't have the theological framework for, I mean, you know about my physical condition and all the suffering from being sick three out of every four weeks in my life. And I didn't have a real great framework for that theologically. Other than keep praying for healing, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes God and I had words. And he was very merciful to me and didn't condemn me or anything mm. for me judging him mm. for not doing his part. Yeah. Um, because I did so out of ignorance, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but now I, I look back and I... Yeah, sorry about that one, God. I, mm. I was, whenever your expectations are not met, you get upset. That's a selfish, normal reaction. And my expectations of God weren't met, but that's because my expectations of God and life were wrong. I expected it to be easier. And I expected things to go my way. If I follow God, it'll go my way. The opposite. If you follow God, you give up your way. To That's his way. The truth. That's the truth. Your way dies on that cross you carry. Mm-hmm. This is a hard word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. When, when he says, take up your cross, he's inviting suffering because that's exactly what the cross meant. For us, we hear, take up your cross, and we see people wearing beautiful jewelry. <laughs> I have crosses in my room Gold. here. They're nice. 
It's mm-hmm. nice. Let's take up your cross. It'll be so wonderful. You, you'll be a strong Christian. They knew it meant suffering. We don't know that in the same way. Yeah. Because we don't see that. We don't see people being crucified. But they they groaned when he said that, that you take up your cross. Oh, my. They knew that meant suffering, and we have a harder time conceiving that. We're not living there. Yeah, he wasn't trying to get recruits. Oh, my. When he said that. No. He lost some people sometimes when he said these kind of hard things. Like when he said, hey, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. People left. This kind of suffering goes completely against our natural selfishness. Yeah. I'm going to read a little more from this this uh, blog here. Please. Suffering was on the mind of Jesus. He talked about his return, then said, but first he must suffer many things. Suffering was not peripheral. He was called the man of sorrows. He admonished the men on the way to Emmaus who were discouraged by the loss of their friend. Did not the Christ have to suffer? these things, and then enter his glory. Suffering was central to the whole plan. The young man Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Same for us. You are not here to be served, but to give yourself away and to get hurt doing it. You will be misunderstood. It doesn't matter. You're a slave. And you have responsibilities, but not rights. You don't have the right for people to appreciate you. Hmm. They will get offended, but you can't. Or you will stop working or complain while you work. Christ's words are exactly the opposite of our culture, where we are entitled to sue those who step on our toes. We major in rights and forget about responsibilities. Just the opposite. In the Bible, suffering comes to us not as an intrusion, but as a gift. People who suffer with thanksgiving grow hope, enabling them to go the distance. When it is about you, giving up is hard not to do. When you are a self on a self-denying mission, you can take a lot more. Self-service only works with gas stations. It does not work for Christians. <laughs> We are about service and about dying. And you see it throughout the epistles. You see it in Peter. You see it in John. In baptism. Yes. I mean, that's the symbol of baptism is we die. Our old self is dead. It's gone. It's... There's nothing else like this in other religions. This this type of self-denial... Other religions have sacrifice mm-hmm. and things like that, but this is this is different, and it's very difficult. I I know a lot of Christians who they love God, they're they're you know they're genuinely saved, but they're not this. Mm-hmm. They're not. I've given him everything, and I I just do what I'm told. Mm-hmm. That's it. No, they had God in to their meal. I've got my work, and I've got my family, and I've got my 401k, and I've got my car, and I've got all this nice little stuff. And then and here's my God pile on my plate right here. 
And I like that being in the mix because it, it makes everything a little nicer instead of all you have is God and whether or not you get food today is up to him. Yeah. And it's a, it's difficult. I remember um, hearing a preacher one time who worked with Mother Teresa in India and they hadn't eaten in two days and someone gave her a small loaf of bread as, as a, an honor and a thank you. This is very poor people, so giving her bread is a big deal. And so she broke it in half and gave half of it to him who was with her. And he was so thankful and he ate it. And afterwards, he was like, thank you so much. I can't, you, you, were, you looked like you were getting really, really weak. I'm, I was amazed that you would give me half of the meager amount of food you were given. And she said, well, of course, what did you do with yours? And she said, and he's like, I, I hate it. It was amazing. And she's like, mm. well, you, you could have thought about giving half of that to someone else. Oh. <laughs> half of the 80 calories that you're going to have all day, oh. you, you should have considered giving that to someone else in need, hmm. was Mother Teresa's response. That kind of selflessness. Mm -hmm is very noble mm -hmm. it's very rare maybe that's why it's so noble i think because it's so rare it doesn't like our brains don't even work that way no i didn't blame him when i read the story i was or i heard it i was in the crowd and i was like yeah praise god of course you you eat amen amen that's wonderful god yes. provided for you yes and all those things are true that's what we'd say god provided thank you but, god but she said well next time maybe Give half of that away, as you've been given, freely give. And oof, that's a complete reframing of, of the kind of Christianity that I'm used to seeing. Mm -hmm. The cross is difficult to look at, and it's difficult to understand. And it's difficult to climb up there. I want to do better in this one. I do too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very challenging to me when I look at the cross. And I think take up your cross and follow me is one of the hardest verses in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I know in my marriage, when I learn to not have expectations, but to deny myself and serve Karen, it improved things a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And I know that Jesus is giving this to us to set us free from ourselves. Because we want to be occupied with ourself, and denying ourself is is the way to true true liberty in relationships with others and with God. So, I agree. It's it, it's ironic becoming a slave to Christ, as Paul says he was, is ironically more freeing. It is. It absolutely than, than to remain independent. It absolutely is. And I'd rather embrace my responsibilities than, than always be looking for what my rights are. I, yeah. don't, I don't want to live that way. I mean, doing what God wants, for example, autobiographically, doing what God wants me to do for a career frees me from having to worry as much about how much money I'm making mm -hmm. or worry as much about should I be looking for a better job, a different job, should I try to climb the ladder or whatever. No, I just do what I'm told. Mm -hmm. God says, do this job. I'm going to do that. God's in charge of making my ends meet. And 
it's very freeing yeah. to just obey. So this is a tough one, dear listeners, but I hope you agree it's a very liberating one. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd like to pray with you and have you pray for us that together we can embrace a hard life as a gift. In fact, suffering, it's a, it's a gift. The scripture calls it a gift. Paul says that we were uh, invited not only to believe in his name, but also to suffer for his sake. That was a gift. So, Father, we thank you that we can see this in a different way than we have before. We are sorry when we try to avoid hardship, avoid suffering, and then we end up having more of it. So we would like to learn how to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. And we know that when we're following Jesus, we're following him to death, which is the entrance to true life. We bless our friends who are listening, that they may walk this kind of walk and experience the joy that Apostle Paul had for uh, denying himself and, and truly liberated, truly powerful. We want to live that kind of life as well. Through Christ our Lord, who suffered and died for us, and, and so that we could die with Christ and live with Christ. Amen. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.